0: Welcome to the show, you sexy,
1: sexy motherfuckers. Howdy, y'all. Okay, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pause this. Pause this intro music. Pause it, I say. Um, what a show I have for you today. The show that I have lined up for you today is uh, legendary, dare I say. Um, that rhymed. So... Let me tell you what you have to look forward to today. We, of course, are going to be talking about um, what's going on with Wall Street and Reddit and GameStop and the whole shebang. The whole shebang will be brought up. I know you're, you're all looking forward to the shebang, so I will do my job and deliver. Um, we also have, according to the New York Times, Donald, Donald Trump is uh, going to be back in the spotlight in a very prominent way shortly and uh, you're going to want the details of that. Um, I'm going to lead with that story, in fact. Um, a group of so-called moderate Republicans did a counter offer to Joe Biden's COVID relief bill. We're going to go over the details of that plan or some of the details of that plan and tell you, I'll tell you what, you know, my, um, my general take on um, what the best approach is in regards to dealing with these folks. So we have that. We also have Um, The media is coming to the defense of Joe Biden and bending over backwards to make their case. They're trying to bury the fact that he lied about the $2,000 checks. Uh, Billionaire hedge funder Leon Cooperman went on CNBC and responded to Reddit fucking up the hedge funders. And I I mean, the number of videos I have from CNBC whining, bitching, crying, moaning about Reddit, it's uh, it's insane. It's out of this world. And then CNN is doing some pretty disgusting calls for censorship. I'm going to show you the amazing uh, birthday gift I got from Joseph Cicada. Shout out to him. Um, Got some stuff on the minimum wage. Jam-packed show. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Like I said, we're going to do that with Donald Trump and how he's rearing his ugly head. According to the New York Times, Donald Trump is considering defending himself in his Senate impeachment trial. And Steve Bannon is supposedly nudging him in that direction, trying to get him to do exactly that. So it's interesting because virtually all of Trump's legal team quit. Why did they quit? We don't know. We don't have the specifics on that. Um, You can imagine that they think he's unreasonable, and perhaps they want him to make some arguments that they're uncomfortable making. You can imagine that... um, Perhaps he even told them, I'm considering representing myself. Perhaps it's a money issue. You know, everybody knows, based on the reporting that came out about a month ago, that uh, all the banks are pulling out their support of Trump's businesses. So he's really in trouble. Deutsche Bank is his biggest funder, and he owes them like $200, $300 million. He's going to have to liquidate assets to pay stuff off if he can even afford it. He probably can't even afford it. So, like, he's going to be tight on money. And... That's one of the things they say is that if Trump represents himself in his Senate impeachment trial, he can save money. So, listen, I'm here to say hell yes on the entertainment value alone. Now, the, the other side of the conversation, though, which perhaps is not nearly as fun, is that nobody, everybody needs to not get it twisted on this. This, this has no prayer of going anywhere. Like, it's already a foregone conclusion. It's over. It's done. You have 45 Republican senators who came out and said, um, yeah, we, uh, we think that even having an impeachment trial with Trump out of office is unconstitutional and a giant waste of time. So they're already saying there's no way we're going to find him guilty. Um, and in order for Trump to actually be guilty on this, you would need 16 or 17 Republican senators. So they just don't have that many. They just don't have it. Not even close. If you use that as an indication, best case scenario, you get five. You get five Republican senators. And even that's questionable. You might not even get five. So anyway, it is kind of a waste of time. I hate to tell everybody, but it's true. Because there's going to be – if the goal of impeachment at this point, since he's already out of office, if the goal of impeachment is we want to make sure he can never be president again or run for office again – there's an easier way to do that. The easier way to do that is to invoke the 14th Amendment and with a simple majority, make it so that he can't run for office again. In the 14th Amendment, it says, if you provide aid and comfort to people attempting an insurrection, you can be banned from ever holding public office again in the United States. They could do that, but they didn't use the easier path. They used the more difficult path. We already know it's not getting anywhere. But listen, the media loves a good Trump spectacle. So if Trump were to represent himself even though he's already going to win, man, if we want to talk about going down in history books, the, like, totally unhinged, unintelligent, but good showman of a, of a disastrous president babbling in his defense at, at a Senate trial on impeachment. Oh, I would love to see that all day, every day. So, listen, I want to see it just for the entertainment value alone. But then you also run the risk of, since he's going to be um, – He's not going to be found guilty, so then he's going to use that as, you know, to do a victory lap, and then that could launch him into a 2024 run. So maybe I'm changing my mind on it right now, live on air, because the last thing you want to do is put some wind in his sails. Because, listen, the polls do show that in a hypothetical 2024 um, matchup in a Republican primary... He's Drax them sclamps, son. Nobody's near him. You know, I think the closest people to him are like Mike Pence, his own VP, and uh, one of his idiot sons. So maybe this isn't the right way to go. Maybe impeachment from the jump was doomed to failure, and now, if anything, it might actually help him. If he if he represents himself, ends up winning, then he, it's even more of like a hero narrative in his own mind. Uh, I don't know, man, but I really – I am of the opinion that – and I told you guys it, it was going to be a waste of time anyway. I am of the opinion that now, now it's just the virtue signal. That's all it is. Like at this point, it's just the virtue signal. Go, trying to impeach somebody who's not in office anymore, like the whole idea of impeachment, when people think of it colloquially, is we've got to get him out of office. Okay, but well he's not in office anymore. So like what's the point? The point is to be like, I'm anti-Trump. No, I'm really anti-Trump. No, I'm really, really anti-Trump. Well, congratulations. You know, in the middle of a pandemic and a depression, yes, it would be better to spend time on the people's business and on policy more than, like, posturing to say how much you hate the previous president. So, listen, I get it. There should be consequences for him egging on an insurrection, for sure. But the 14th Amendment would be quicker, easier, and it might actually work. Whereas this is... On the entertainment value alone, I want to see it, but really there could be giant downsides to it. But listen, this is the speculation right now. This is the speculation that Donald Trump might represent himself in his own Senate impeachment trial. Buckle up for that. Okay. All right, now we're going to make fun of the Republicans with their terrible, 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 terrible terrible counterproposal. Always forget about the lights behind me.
0: Always forget about the lights behind me. There
1: we go. A group of 10 so-called moderate Republicans proposed a counter-COVID stimulus plan to the $1.9 trillion one that Biden was pushing. Um, so here's what Jeff Stein says about this from the Washington Post. From what we know, the plan from 10 Republicans appears to cut from Biden's plan Three months of unemployment insurance knocked down by $100 a week, $350 billion for states and cities, monthly child benefit, $15-an-hour minimum wage, checks reduced from $1,400 to $1,000, and parts of school money. So that is not a comprehensive list of all the things that the Republicans cut from the $1.9 trillion Democratic plan, but it's to say, and you can see this here, All they did was take a plan that was already too weak up front and make it even weaker. Take a watered-down plan and water it down even more, and then say, oh, I'd like to meet with you in good faith, President Biden, to discuss this, because maybe we could get something done together. Now, Biden has permanent D.C. brain, and so he's all about bipartisanship as a value above actual substantive policy to help the people. And so what does Biden do? He invites them to the White House immediately. This group of 10 Republican senators are coming into the White House and um, they're going to negotiate. They're going to negotiate. Guys, I cannot tell you just how much this story alone shows everything that's wrong with Biden and the Democrats and everything that's wrong with Washington, D.C. Because think about it. The original proposal, the original plan was We're going to give you a $2,000 stimulus check, quote, immediately. A $2,000 stimulus check, quote, next week. The first quote was Biden. The second quote was John Ossoff. Uh, Warnock ran ads. $2,000 checks. It went from that to, okay, now let's overcomplicate it and put it in a bigger COVID stimulus package, which will not get the votes to pass, especially because we just had another COVID stimulus package. Um, and also, by the way, did we say 2000 What we meant was a total of $2,000 checks, and you already got 600 so now it's down to 1400 So that's what happened. And then it went from the first week to, oh, we can't get in the first week, maybe March, oh, maybe April. So you keep, it keeps getting worse and worse and pushed further back and further back. And now Biden is saying to the Republicans, who just made his already weak plan much weaker, oh, great, now let's, I want to meet with you and let's iron out a deal. You have the votes to get whatever you want passed. What are you doing? See, in a situation like this, if Biden was actually like the new FDR, which a lot of media puff pieces said he would be, in a situation like this, you take one look at their proposal and say, "Um, the checks just became 2,500 and we're putting them through reconciliation ASAP. Thanks for your insulting counterproposal. That's what a president with balls would do. And that's what a president who actually cared about the people would do. That's what you do. Hey, I'm already proposing something that's not nearly strong enough. I mean, really people need $2,000 a month, but you're going to, you're going to insult me and take my already compromised plan and make it even weaker. And then say, Oh, I want to deal with you in good faith. Why should I deal with you? I have 51 votes. I have the Senate. I have the house. I am the President. Now the checks are $2,500, and we're putting them through reconciliation ASAP. We're putting the package through reconciliation ASAP. Nobody gives a fuck how you get the relief to them. They just need the relief. You know, there was this, like, joke going around social media where people were saying, you know, there was, like, it's the two-button meme. You know, the guy who's sweating, and he has to determine which button to pick. And one of them says, $300 unemployment insurance. Uh, in a bipartisan way, or $400 unemployment insurance only passed by the Democrats. And they're like sweating as if it's a difficult thing to determine which one is better. Obviously the $400 is better. Obviously people need the help right now. Has anybody seen these economic numbers? I mean, even before the COVID pandemic and the subsequent depression, 80% of the country was living paycheck to paycheck. Now we're in a position where 40% of the country has been food insecure at one point or another. 30% of the country can't make their housing payment. As soon as these, you know, the moratoriums on evictions and foreclosures ends, oh my God, we're in for one of the most disastrous downturns in all of U.S. history, rivaling the Great Depression. We gave you the numbers the other week. Job loss in the COVID depression is four times worse than the Great Recession. The Great Recession was a cataclysmic event. I remember graduating into that economy. Everybody I know looked around and said, what the fuck do we do now? There are no jobs. There's no jobs. The economy was a joke. It was all a house of cards. Now job losses are four times worse than then. Listen, you have to fight for the people, and you have to do it aggressively. And instead of doing that, he's got the D.C. brain rot where he values bipartisanship above getting relief to people. You don't need 60 votes to get any of this passed. You could do it through reconciliation with 51 votes. And you can put whatever you want in the package as long as you hold Manchin and Cinema. And again, what a president would do if the president cared is do a very aggressive bill and then tell Manchin and Cinema, you're not gonna get reelected if you go against me on this. We We will obliterate you. I will use every tool at my disposal to come after you and make sure you lose in a primary in the next election. That's what I'm going to do. So you can make you can be my friend or my enemy. I don't know if you've seen my approval rating recently, but President Biden's actually very popular at the moment. That's what happens when a president gets elected, usually. So do people uh, whose approval rating is higher, Joe Biden or Joe Manchin? Joe Biden's approval rating is way higher than Joe Manchin's approval rating. You let him know who the boss is. You let him know he's going to work with you. And if he doesn't want to work with you, fine, but he could kiss his career goodbye. It's done. It's over. This is what you would do, but instead, no. Water down the plan that's already watered down, meet with the Republicans, and then what's going to happen is, very likely, they will probably come to some sort of an agreement, but the agreement is going to be horrendous. The agreement is going to be so much weaker than what they could get through, all because he values getting those 60 votes over valuing getting relief to the American people, which is desperately needed. I mean, it's really inexcusable, man. It's really inexcusable this cult of bipartisanship is always a good thing by definition. No, it's not. If you have a bipartisan deal to deregulate Wall Street, it's not good. If you have a bipartisan deal to cut taxes for corporations in the top 1%, it's not good. Bipartisanship isn't inherently good or bad. It all depends on the details of the bipartisanship. And the details of this bipartisanship, we already know it's going to be, let's get a weaker plan instead of a stronger one and to help the American people during the COVID downturn. I would rather have a stronger one and get it with 51 votes and then brag about it and then crush your political opponents. Why would you even give them a potential political win here when you have them by the fucking balls? If you pass $2,000, $2,000 checks, immediately, like you said you would do, are you kidding me? You can run ads from now for the next decade about how you're the one that delivered and the Republicans got in the way. It's an 80% issue for fuck's sake, oh my God, and instead they backed off of it handing themselves a giant loss, and now they're caving on top of caving on top of caving. It's just, it's disgusting, man. It's pathetic. Um, And there's really no sense of moral urgency which needs to be there. There absolutely should be a sense of moral urgency because people are really, really struggling. He values the process and the Washington, D.C. conventional bubble wisdom. He values that over getting you your help ASAP. So this is not a good sign for the future of the Biden administration. And honestly, listen, I I nailed it. I told you guys that you're going to like a lot of the executive orders on day one, and week one, you're going to like a lot of the, you know, the things that he does, because all he's going to do is reverse the worst aspects of Trumpism. That's exactly what happened. But now, what do I tell you? There's going to be a sharp fall off after the first week, because all it's going to be is, attempting to work in a bipartisan way and agreeing with Republicans on their terms, giving them what they want, because Biden half agrees with them. So he's fine doing that. And that's exactly what's happening right in front of our eyes. So we have this happening right now. They're going to weaken the the COVID plan. Um, And the next thing that I'm afraid of is at some point they might try to do a grand bargain, which is cutting social security and Medicare. And they'll frame it as, no, 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 we're not cutting social security and Medicare. We're reforming the programs to, Save them and the media will go right along with it. Because the media is is going into Biden protection mode to the max. I got more stories on that and I'll give you the specifics. But they're gonna play defense for this administration. They are in the tank for this administration, that's a guarantee. So they will not give you the straight dope. They will not tell you what could actually happen with the power that they have. When you have the Senate, when you have the House and when you have the presidency, you could get whatever you want, especially if you utilize reconciliation with, so you win with 51 votes. You can get almost anything you want. But instead, they're basically giving up that power up front and compromising on top of the compromise on top of the compromise. Why would Biden do that? Because he half agrees with the Republicans. He's basically a moderate Republican. So here we are. Here we are. And I fear, as, uh, as Randy said on Twitter, for the love of God, I hope there's a Democrat in the room that has an 80 IQ or above because they could easily just give away everything here, get an incredibly weak plan, and then pretend it's some sort of victory. When, again, they don't need to do it. They could pass whatever they want through reconciliation right now. And they're not doing it. They're giving up that power. They're giving up that authority. The thing that the Republicans would never do and did never do, when they passed their 2017 tax cut for the rich bill, they did it through reconciliation. They did it through reconciliation. And it added $2 trillion to the deficit. Now people are going to concern troll About getting policies that help the American people through reconciliation, like a living wage or like a COVID relief bill or like checks, fuck out of here so this is not a good sign at all, it's depressing and I want to say like I hope that they come to a positive deal, but I know they won't, I know that the terms of a deal are objectively going to be worse than the original proposal and I know as a matter of fact they didn't need to try to get 60 votes and do it the regular order, they could have done it through reconciliation and they chose not to Okay. So the media is coming to the defense of Joe Biden, and they're really bending over backwards to make their case. This is something. So, Newsweek's Matt Cannon. Said Joe Biden critics falsely claim president lied about two thousand dollar stimulus checks. Falsely claimed President lied about two thousand dollar stimulus checks. This is as brazen as it gets. I'm not sure I've ever I mean, maybe the Iraq war is probably the best example of like the most egregious lies ever. But this is up there. This is absolutely up there. We have this thing called video that exists. I don't know if you heard of it. We saw him say it. Not only did he say it, he said it after the $600 already passed, and he was saying, we're going to get you $2,000 checks. I'm not a math guy, and I'm not a genius, but if $600 already passed, and he's saying after that we're going to get you $2,000 checks, that would be a total of $2,600. He did a rally in Georgia where he said, not only are we going to do it, vote for Ossoff and Warnock, it'll break the gridlock in D.C., and we'll get you those checks, quote, immediately. Immediately, he used. He used the word immediately. My interpretation of immediately is within the first two or three days. I don't know about you guys, but that's what I think of when I think of immediately. But if you don't want to accept that, okay, listen to what Ossoff said. Ossoff said, next week we're going to get it to you. So next week, meaning the first week of the Biden administration. We're already past the first week of the Biden administration. They didn't do it. Warnock had ads saying $2,000 checks if you vote for the Democrats. Well, guess what? The Democrats won, and they didn't do the checks. Now, Warnock and Ossoff were so annoyed at the fact that they didn't do the $2,000 checks, apparently they called Joe Biden, they called his administration, and they were basically begging, like, listen, this is why we think we won. You can't just back off of this. There are going to be consequences to this. For the love of God, let's push, let's do the $2,000 checks. What are we doing? What are we doing? So if Biden didn't lie, well, that's interesting because it appears like Warnock Warnock and Ossoff think he lied, and they're prodding him to try to stay true to his word, which, again, they already missed the boat because it's been a week. But do you see the mindset of corporate media? This is the mindset. The mindset is in the same way that Fox News protects Republicans no matter what. You know, they're the Trump Defense Network and the establishment Republican Defense Network. That's their job. Their whole point is propaganda. It's the exact same thing with a lot of the other outlets for the Democrats. They do propaganda for the Democratic Party in the same way that Fox News does propaganda for the Republican Party. It's very rare that you see outlets that are just trying to tell you the truth and hold the powerful accountable. It is super rare. Most of them are in the tank for either the Democrats or the Republicans. And clearly, this person from Newsweek is in the tank for Joe Biden. Because, again, we have the video. He said, we're going to get you those $2,000 checks immediately. We have the video. And he didn't get the $2,000 checks immediately. He backed off the $2,000 checks completely. And now he's even saying, I'm going to meet with the Republicans, and maybe we'll make a deal. And the Republicans said, no, not even $1,400 checks, $1,000 checks. How can you make the case that... It wasn't a lie. It was the most brazen lie I've ever seen. Also, there was a great article in Mediaite where they spoke to the voters in Georgia who went out and voted for Democrats, and they were like, they lied to me. They lied to me. I voted for them for that reason, and they lied to me. I'm not getting the check. They already backed off the check. So I'm just I guess I'm just floored as to how brazen it is. I mean, the media will piss on you and say, it's rain. Hey, don't question it. It's rain. And you wonder why trust in media is at an all-time low. We covered that story recently as well. I think it was a Pew Research poll. Trust in media is at an all-time low. Well, this is why. Because it's partisan garbage, and everybody's protecting one wing or the other wing of the establishment. And by the way, in that article, I was actually a little bit surprised they didn't bring me up, because they brought up Ryan Knight, um, who's you know a similar, similar guy on Twitter similar ideologically uh, to what we talk about. And it's just, it's fascinating how they don't even really bother to make arguments. They just assert it. Oh, you guys are uh, falsely claiming that Joe Biden lied about $2,000 stimulus checks. Really? Did people get the $2,000 stimulus checks? What do you mean we lied? How, How can you say that? How can you say that he was telling the truth? Do people have the checks? They don't have the checks. They don't even bother to make an argument. They just assert, like, some Ministry of Truth shit. Like, no, 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 believe me, over your lying eyes. It's, re- it's really something else, man. It really is. Again, from a, from a selfish perspective and a personal perspective, I shouldn't even be upset by this because they leave a lane wide open for somebody who's an idiot, loudmouth YouTuber like me to help fill that void because at least I'm telling you guys the truth. But, again, I'd rather have the media do their job effectively – and efficiently and accurately, and then, you know, reduce my subs and reduce my views if it means the media actually does their job. I would gladly take that trade-off because I think the effects of this are incredibly corrosive. You know, and you're gonna, you're gonna brainwash a certain segment of the population in the same way that you had Fox News and One American News Network and Newsmax brainwash a segment of the population so that the truth didn't matter. It's the same thing here. And by the way, to social media companies, are you going to pull this stuff down? Because you guys say, oh, blatant misinformation can't be allowed. And now there's this giant censorship push. You know, people outright saying, like, oh, the the fraudulent election conspiracy theories shouldn't be allowed online, shouldn't be allowed on these various outlets. Now, listen, those theories are total bullshit, of course. But you're just going to ban them? Well, yeah, we can't have it because it's, you know, corrosive and they're not telling the truth. This article is the exact same thing. It's corrosive and they're not telling you the truth. So I don't. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that it's it's gotten this extreme. I never would have guessed the lies would be this bad. Like at least be a little more nuanced about it. At least admit. Like, I would have accepted the argument of, oh, it was ambiguous. Even though I don't agree with it, I could see somebody making that case in good faith. That, hey, it's ambiguous because they said $2,000 checks before the 600 passed as well. So you could say they always meant a total of $2,000. And it's just that the messaging changed after the 600 passed. I see there is an argument there. I think it's wrong because they said 2000 after it as well. But I I see that it can be considered ambiguous by some people if you want to be kind in your interpretation to the Democrats. This isn't what the article is saying. The article is saying Joe Biden critics are falsely claiming that the president lied about $2,000 stimulus checks. For good reason, the media is viewed with scorn. I mean, it's really historic at this point, just how much the media is hated. And it opened up the door for a demagogue like Trump to go in there and say, I'm not on the side of the fake news media. I hate the fake news media. I'm with the people. Now, listen, he was full of shit, and he told, what's the number, like over 30,000 lies when he was in office. So he's not the solution. He's not the answer at all. But, God, these guys make it easy to hate them, don't they? Because you should hate them, because they suck at their job. And they're a bunch of liars, and they're in establishment protection mode. So I know even at this late date, I shouldn't be floored when I see stuff like this, but I am. And I guess I'm on some level, I'm naive. It's like the same with the, uh, with the GameStop situation and how Reddit is fucking up Wall Street. I was naive. Like, I was understating just how rigged the system is. Because look at how quickly the establishment and the elites coalesced to try to stop Reddit from fucking them up. You know, how the Robinhood app got a billion dollars from hedge funds and they stopped the, allowing the purchase of GameStop and AMC and some other stocks. How Janet Yellen took $800,000 from one of the key players in this whole saga. Like, they acted immediately to try to screw the little guy. And if anything, I was understating just how rigged the system is. It's the same thing with this. Like, sometimes I even understate how terrible the media is. Because you see articles like this and you say, there's no way somebody can say this in good faith. There's no way that this is a genuine interpretation of the unfolding of events. This is somebody who's going out there doing propaganda. They know they're doing propaganda. They know they're lying. And it's not even close. I got so many good little videos, man. I really do. All right, let's make fun of this billionaire douchebag. Billionaire hedge funder Leon Cooperman went on CNBC and he responded to Reddit absolutely fucking up hedge funders. Watch this.
0: The reason the market's doing what it's doing is
2: people are sitting at home, getting
0: checks from the government, okay, and this fair share is a bullshit concept. Again, it's just a way of attacking wealthy people. And, you know, I think it's inappropriate. We all got to work together and pull together.
1: I love the call for unity at the end, as if he didn't colossally insult a giant percentage of the population. So what he's saying is, hey, you know how Reddit is absolutely destroying a bunch of hedge funds right now because they're beating them at their own game? Why is that happening? Because people are sitting home getting their checks. That's what he says. It's because people, you know, people are lazy, they're sitting at home, they're not being productive, they're just getting their checks, and they're, they're fucking with the good people on Wall Street. That's what's going on here. The funny thing is, the exact opposite is true. You know why this is happening? On top of the obvious answer, which is that people are, it's a meme, and, and they are fucking around to some extent, but really, it does stem from this populist rage, because people don't have any fucking money. That's the problem. The problem is, they've been kicked, they've had their eyes spin in, they've been beat down, they see how rigged the game is. People saw what happened in 2008 and 2009 with the subprime mortgage crisis and the Great Recession, how fraud was the business model on Wall Street. Fraud was the business model. People bankrupted their companies, and then the government came in and bailed them out, and they got bonuses. They got bonuses when every decision they made was a terrible decision, and it hurt their company, and it tanked the global economy, and they got rewarded for that. So people saw how terrible the system is. People saw everybody's house was getting foreclosed on. People were losing their jobs. People were in a total state of despair and poverty and degradation. And so now, with the COVID downturn, job losses are four times worse than the the Great Recession. People are hurting really, really, really bad. So what did they do? A bunch of regular people got in on the game and started beating hedge funds at their own game and this is the response. They smear you and they slander you and they say, you're just lazy sitting at home getting your checks. Wait a second. If they're lazy and they're useless beating Wall Street at their own game, then what's Wall Street? By your own logic, wouldn't they be lazy and useless as well? Aren't they not adding any value to the economy? Or no. When you guys have fun in the casino, it's moral and ethical and just and right, but when the little guy does, oh, my God, hair on fire, it's not allowed, and aren't they just lazy and, and wrong and sitting at home all day and collecting their checks, as if, like, people are doing this because they're really comfy and, and living cushy, luxurious lives. No, the people who were living the cushy, luxurious lives were the hedge funders. It's Wall Street. And they didn't do it because they worked the hardest. They, they were living that life because they rigged the system. And they keep getting away with crimes. So, I mean, it's just, it's really amazing, isn't it? There's no standard he's applying here. There's no principle. It's just, I like the guys in suits and ties who rigged the system. And so, God forbid, the little guy beats us at our own game. Fuck those little guys. I'm telling you, man, how many times do they have to show you? Wall Street, it's not the smartest guys in the room. It's the greediest guys in the room. And they happen to own the government. And so they always end up winning. But that's just because of the corruption. It's not like they're winning because they're the smartest. Uh, And then I love how he says, well, this idea of a fair share is a BS concept. And it's about attacking wealthy people. So in other words, he's downplaying income and wealth inequality, even though income and wealth inequality is one of the main reasons that these people are like, I have no hope. I have no money. I can't pay the bills. Let's, see what, let's get in on the, the giant casino that is Wall Street and see if we can win a few times. But, like, the idea, like, what's his argument? Oh, everything's a meritocracy, so you can't attack the rich because they're already getting their fair share. And their fair share is to have an incredibly lopsided system and economy like this and wealth distribution. Well, if you believe that, Leon Cooperman, then let me take you to shut up, Because then, if it's all a meritocracy, then I guess Wall Street fucking over the hedge funds, they just fairly beat them at their own game, right? So why are you complaining? If they bankrupted every single hedge fund, hey, that's just capitalism, baby. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. Fuck your regulation. It's a BS concept to, to say the wealthy need to pay their fair share and we need to limit income and wealth inequality. It's a BS concept, Okay. So then it's a BS concept to go after the Reddit people. Because they're, again, they're just beating you at your own game. By the way, look at the reaction from people like this to the various studies that have shown how extreme income and wealth inequality is to the point where it's worse than it was during the Gilded Age. Because one of the most stunning numbers I read, it was from the Rand Corporation. This came out last year we learned that the top 1% effectively stole $47 trillion from the bottom 90% since 1974. So in other words, if the the post-World War II wealth distribution held steady, the bottom 90% would be $47 trillion richer. That works out to an extra $1,144 per month for every single person in the bottom 90%. The system is so rigged, they're stealing over $1,000 from you every single month. That's how rigged the system is. That's how rigged the system is. So to just like swap that aside, but of course this guy's going to do that because he's a billionaire. So he feels like, no, no, no. The reason I'm a billionaire is just because I'm that much smarter and that much better than everybody around me. And now at least Reddit is sticking it to these assholes and these idiots. And beating them at their own game and showing them, hey, you set up the rules, we're abiding by them. So tough cookies, I guess, right? Finally, somebody's getting back at them. Originally, there was Occupy Wall Street. Now there's Infiltrate Wall Street. Leon, you're not some sort of next-level genius. You're not like the LeBron James of finance or whatever the fuck. In fact, this guy had to pay, I believe the number was over $4 million. Because in 2016, they knocked him on insider trading. So he had to cut a deal with the government. And he didn't admit any wrongdoing, but he had to pay over $4 million. So in other words, in the real world, what that means is, yeah, you caught me. Yeah, I did it. But don't tarnish my reputation. I'm not going to admit any wrongdoing, but I will pay the fine. You're not the smartest guy in the room. You're the greediest, and you're the most corrupt. You're not some sort of genius. There's no extra talent you have. If anything, it's these guys that are the people who are not providing value to the economy. They're not providing value. You should have a zillion times more respect for people who work with their hands, do manual labor, contribute something, contribute something to the economy. This is not that. They really think they're the smartest people in the world, the best people in the world, and they're not. And now they're getting absolutely obliterated by a bunch of people... Memeing on Reddit, and I think it's glorious. I think it's glorious. So bathe in it, bathe in your contempt and your hatred for everybody. And they're gonna keep fucking you up, you and your buddies. And um, it's a real clarifying moment, isn't it? Because you can see the real dividing lines in society now. Listen, the, bi- the biggest dividing line was actually never partisan. It was never Democrat, Republican. It was never down racial lines, never down religious lines, never down cultural lines. There are divides there for sure, but the real strongest divide is the class divide. It's the elites versus the people. And this is a moment for illumination, and you can see it. You can see who's lining up on which side, and the good news is the overwhelming majority Overwhelming majority is lining up on the side of the people. And it's just the billionaires, some scummy politicians, and some corporate sellouts in the media who are rushing in to try to defend the hedge funds in Wall Street. So take note of who your enemies are because they're making it known. All right, more on this. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen accepted $810,000 in speaking fees from a company called Citadel. Now, Citadel is the owner of Robinhood. Robinhood is where a lot of the people from Reddit were um, purchasing GameStop stock and AMC. um, And... Robinhood, of course, turned around and banned the purchase of GameStop stock and AMC stock and some others, effectively to to protect hedge funds from losing everything. Okay, so the rigging was was out in the open. Now, a reporter is going to ask a great question here about a conflict of interest that Janet Yellen has, and look at how White House Press Secretary uh, Jen Psaki responds.
0: GameStop. Uh, You did mention, I believe, yesterday um, that the Treasury Secretary is monitoring the situation and she's kind of uh, on top of it. There have been um, some kind of concerns about her uh, previous engagements with Citadel and speaking fees that she has received from Citadel. Are there any plans to have her recuse herself from advising the President on uh, GameStop and the whole Robin Hood situation? Well, just to be clear, what I said was that. We have the Treasury Secretary is now confirmed. Obviously, we have a broad economic team. Uh, The SEC put out a statement uh, yesterday that I referred to, but I don't think I have anything more for you on it other than to say separate from the GameStop issue the Secretary of Treasury is one of the world-renowned experts on markets, on the economy. Uh, It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone she was uh, paid to uh, give her perspective and advice before she came into office.
1: So do you understand the answer there? The answer is effectively like, yes, queen, girl boss, get that paper. You know, she got paid because she's one of the foremost experts in the world on these things. So good for her getting that money. Think about how disgusting that is. Why should that be allowed? Why should it be allowed for the Treasury Secretary to get paid a tremendous amount of money from big financial institutions, from Wall Street. See, the problem is it is a conflict of interest. It does set up an issue where whenever something arises that help or hurt said companies, of course they're going to make the decision that helps said companies. I don't know about you, but if somebody gives me $810,000, I kind of like them. I kind of like them. Is that, am I crazy? I'm pretty sure that's human nature. Somebody pays you 810 grand, you are not exactly going to say, hey, you made some bad decisions, you get what you deserve. Maybe you go bankrupt. Go fuck yourself. But, and listen, I'm not singling out Janet Yellen here. This is how all of Washington, D.C. works. This is how it all works. She was the head of the Fed, and now she's the Treasury Secretary, and, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the revolving door. The same people that are supposed to be regulating Wall Street are getting paid by Wall Street. Gee, I wonder how tough they're going to go on them and if they're really going to enforce effective regulation. Of course they're not going to. Why are we pretending like there's any other possible outcome? This is like Lloyd Austin, now the defense secretary. This guy took, I think it was over a million dollars from Raytheon. Do you think he's really going to make decisions that might hurt the bottom line of Raytheon? No. So if that means, hey, maybe we have to sell more weapons to some evil dictatorships, so be it, because I've got to look out for my former employer. The whole system is corrupt. The whole system is disgusting and rotting. And why is everybody pretending like it's on the up and up and everything's cool and everything's totally normal? This is not normal. This is not normal. Just because the idiots who are there have now internalized that system and they think it's normal, that doesn't mean anything except that they're giant idiots who don't understand human nature, or don't care about human nature and how it would affect them. fact of the matter is they don't care. Oh, if we... If, if we do more war, is, is, you know, are one of the elites going to feel the pain? Of course they're not going to feel the pain. It's not their kids going to fight and die. You know, if, if, if Wall Street gets another bailout and ends up screwing a bunch of people and their homes get foreclosed on, is that going to affect some elite in Washington, D.C.? Of course not. They're fine. They have all the money in the world. So they don't care because it impacts you. So here we are. Here's the situation where Janet Yellen took $810,000 in speaking fees from the company that is the owner of Robinhood. So when Robinhood says, we're not going to allow you to purchase GameStop stock or AMC stock, is the Treasury Secretary going to step in and say, whoa, 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 you can't do that. That's clear market manipulation. You're trying to protect the hedge funds and screw over the little guy. Is she going to say that? Of course she's not going to say that. She got $810,000 from the owner of the company. So she's going to side with the company, even though the company is obviously wrong. They're obviously incorrect. Do you see now how the whole system is a giant joke and it's corrupt? And then they turn around and, and you're going to see this a lot more, especially in the Biden era. They will use identity to try to deflect fair criticism away from them. So now, oh, you criticize Lloyd Austin. Oh, you're criticizing the first black defense secretary. Is that because you're racist? Maybe it's because you're racist. Oh, you're criticizing Janet Yellen? Oh, I guess you're against women in high positions making money for doing the same jobs as a man. So they're going to use identity as a neoliberal shield to deflect away all legitimate criticism. And then you have those dividing lines where a bunch of idiots will fall in line and be like, oh, I guess maybe you do hate women, or I guess maybe you do hate blacks. Why are you criticizing them more than you criticize a white man in this position? No, I do criticize white men in this position. I'm just against the corruption. I'm just against the legalized bribery. I don't care who's doing it. I'm going to be against it as a matter of principle. But here, they just deflect it. Forget the conflict of interest. Forget the corruption. Forget the fact she's being paid by one of the key players in this whole saga who's doing things that are wrong and should be illegal. She's one of the best in the world, so she deserves that money, and good for her. You don't deserve to be corrupted that's not a thing that's not a thing the system is so broken it is so broken and you really saw with what happened with reddit and gamestop and uh, melvin capital you really saw just how rigged the system is people came after me because i used the word cabal they're like oh qanon uses the word cabal and kyle used the word cabal it's a cabal in the sense that it's highly organized rigging It's not cabal in the sense that there's a satanic pedophile cult. I don't think that's true at all. I think that's nonsense. But what is true is there's a faction of connected elites that are making decisions to protect themselves and screw the little guy, and they're not even hiding it anymore. They're more organized than you and I ever thought they were, ever thought they were. I mean, how can you have a situation where Robin Hood bans the purchase of GameStop and AMC and, oh, look at that hedge funds gave them a billion dollars overnight so they continued blocking the purchase of those stocks they continued to do it they were going to ease the restrictions but then the hedge fund said we'll give you a billion dollars just please keep restricting it so the hedge funds did everything and rigged the system to protect their own asses and to stop themselves from going bankrupt i thought the way the free market worked and capitalism worked is hey you messed up you got to pay the piper sorry you made bad decisions so there are consequences for that. No. They turned around and they were able to rig the system. That's what happened. They turned around and they were able to manipulate the market in an illegal way to protect their asses. It's really incredible, man. It's really incredible. I don't know how this ends. I really don't. But God, I hope that the people on Reddit hold the line and end up knocking out these hedge funds. And now the... the. Situation got a little more complex, too, though, because, because now I think some hedge funds are getting in on the side of the Redditors. So you're looking at like, sort of like a civil war on Wall Street, which I'm all for because they'll destroy each other, and that's lovely. For the love of God, yes, be at each other's throats, destroy each other. I'd love to see that. All I care about is the regular guy getting out okay with this. And they're, gonna, they're pulling out every trick in the book. Every attempt to rig this thing, they're pulling it out. You know, hopefully at the end of the day, it's not enough. But it certainly helps that the hedge funds effectively own the government. And so just like they got away with it in 08 and 09, it's very possible they get away with it now as well. I mean, remember, guys, you had Wall Street, you had the subprime mortgage crisis and the Great Recession. They were playing hot potato with some toxic assets. And um, when everything blew up and imploded, the government rushed in, bailed out a lot of the companies that crashed the world economy and bankrupted their own companies. And then the same executives that made the terrible decisions got bonuses with taxpayer money. So the system is as rigged as any system could ever be period. And that's why you have this populist rage in the country because it's justified and it's legitimate. And so now people are more awake and aware of what's happening and they they could try to get away with it again, but I think there might be some consequences for their actions this time. And so originally it was Occupy Wall Street. Now it's Infiltrate Wall Street. I'm very curious to see where this goes. I know who I'm rooting for. Okay. All right, now... we are going to talk about the new tricks that they're going to use. We sort of touched on it in the previous segment. Okay, here we go. So here's the new trick that the media and the establishment weaponizes against Reddit for fucking up Wall Street. You're going to see a lot of this. Business Insider says, Discord bans Wall Street Bets server over hate speech as the group drives GameStop shares through the roof. Far-right extremists use GameStop chaos to radicalize and recruit on Telegram. Okay, so to be clear about the first headline there, Discord bans Wall Street bet server over hate speech, if I'm not mistaken, there's been some sort of a reversal now. So they initially did that. There was a giant backlash because people were like, are you kidding me? How ridiculous is this? And so I think they either popped up in some new form or Discord reversed the decision or, or whatever it is. Now, think about that, though. Think about what happened initially. It just so happened to be on the exact day that Wall Street bets was obliterating hedge funds on Wall Street. Just so happened to me, hey, yeah, on this day, we're doing a review and come to find out people said some very naughty things on this server. So I guess we have to shut it down because people said naughty... People say things all over the internet. It's not a coincidence that the day they took them down is the day that they were bankrupting hedge funds and taking down wealthy and powerful people. So look at the trick. What's the first thing they go for? Censorship. They go for censorship and they go for, like, political correctness. Oh, you're going to defend them? I guess you like hate speech. I guess you like racism. I guess you like sexism. I guess you like every negativism. I guess you are those things. If you're defending them, see what they do? Now, sorry, but it has to be said, anybody who ever cheered on censorship... This is the logical conclusion. You thought it was only going to be used against, like, genuinely bad people or whatever? Are you kidding me? Of course censorship will always be used against the powerless when they go after the powerful. Censorship will always be used to protect the elites and the establishment. Because guess what? It's the elites and it's the establishment who have all the fucking power. So, of course, they're going to go after anybody who threatens or questions their authority, and that's what Wall Street Bets was doing. They were taking down powerful people. So they'd come up with a BS argument, and they, and they took them down from Discord. Now, they were never taken down from Reddit, but they were taken down from Discord. And then again, I think that's since been reversed or whatever. But then that gets to the next trick. The next trick is try to conflate any of the stuff that they're doing with far-right extremism, you know, hardcore MAGA Trump supporters, I've seen that comparison a number of times now, the comparison of like, oh, this is just like the January 6th attempted insurrection. No, it's not. People died in the attempted insurrection. People died. And everybody who was there, or the overwhelming majority of people who were there, were drunk on One American News Network and Newsmax and bullshit conspiracy theories about a fraudulent election. So they were acting based on something that's ideologically incorrect. And there were some people there who were experiencing genuine pain, and this is how that turmoil was manifesting. But when you look at Wall Street bets, it had nothing to do with any sort of conspiracy theory. And and nobody got physically hurt. They were just taking down hedge funds for being incredibly greedy and squeezing out of existence a, a company that they like. That's the reality of it. So they saw that GameStop was being shorted by hedge funds over 100% of its value. That's an incredibly risky bet that the hedge funds were making. So they saw that and they said, what if we all purchase GameStop? We could make a shitload of money and they could lose an infinite amount of money. So that's called intelligent investing. The real people manipulating the market, the real people doing the bad thing, were the people who were shorting GameStop over 100% of its value. That shouldn't even be allowed. It shouldn't even be legal. I mean, duh. So they're the ones who took the giant risk and were manipulating the market and were squeezing a company out of existence and then they wouldn't be able to access capital and people would lose their jobs and everything. And so Reddit was like, oh, well, what if we all buy it? So they were doing intelligent investing and they were going after the people who constantly rig the markets and always win. So it, it has nothing to do with far-right extremists. The fact of the matter is, there's a reason why the barstool guy and and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez agree on this. There's a reason why that is. Because this has nothing to do with partisanship and, and, and left versus right. That has to do with elite versus the people. And the elites have rigged the system for so fucking long, and the people are finally beating them at their own game, and now all of a sudden they want regulation. Oh, really? You didn't want regulation when... You fuckers crashed the economy and then got bailed out. You don't want regulation then. You said, let me do whatever I want, and then I'll make as much money as I can and privatize the profits and socialize the losses. You don't want regulation then. Now you want regulation when a bunch of Redditors are beating you at your own game. So these are the smear tactics. The smear tactics are, oh, hate speech, racism, sexism, oh, They're all far-right extremists that are using GameStop to create chaos and to radicalize and recruit on Telegram. Okay, nobody has ever in a million years accused me of being a right-wing extremist. If anything, I get accused of the opposite, which, by the way, hilarious. (laughs) Me, an extremist, I'm internationally moderate. I'm a believer in social democracy, Scandinavian style. It doesn't get more mild than that. So... Here, I'm, I'm now using this to recruit people to my ideology. I like them apples. The far-right extremists are using GameStop chaos to radicalize and recruit on Telegram. I'm using what's happening um, to, to radicalize people, hilarious, recruit people, social democracy. I'm using this to tell people, hey, we should have universal health care, Medicare for all. Every other developed country has it. Somehow we can't afford it, even though it would save money and cover everybody. We need to get rid of those rapacious for-profit middlemen who provide no value. I'm talking, of course, about the for-profit health insurance companies. I'm using this to recruit people to say, we should raise taxes on corporations and the wealthy. That's what I think. I think we should give the little guy, the average guy, the middle class and the working class, they should get a break. They should get a break. But the wealthy should have their taxes raised. So, I'm using this to recruit people to intelligent policies that we know work. So, go ahead. Now, I want to see that article. Far left extremists use GameStop chaos to radicalize and recruit on YouTube. Kyle Kalinsky of Secular Talk used this to say everybody should have health care. He used this to say we should raise taxes on billionaires. So, listen, it doesn't matter if some of the people were far right. It's like, what's the saying my dad used to say all the time? Um, Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then. Broken clock is right twice a day. You know? uh, They said Hitler loved cats and dogs. (laughs) Or was it cats or dogs? It was one or the other. So, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody who's wrong in other ways happens to be right on this, The real crux of the story is, wow, they're right on this. So, but again, they're going to use this. The idea is smear some of them and use that to extrapolate about the rest of the movement and the rest of the people partaking in this. The fact of the matter is most of these people are just regular people who've been screwed by the system in one way or another. Most of the people who are partaking in this are regular people who've been beat down by an unfair and rigged system for a long time. So they're genuine victims. So forgive me if I'm not crying tears for hedge fund goons because they deserve zero sympathy. They've gotten away with everything for the longest time in the most disgusting way imaginable. So just be prepared because these are the tricks that they'll use. These are the tricks that they'll use and they're not going to stop. You're going to see a lot more of this over the coming years because it's a last ditch effort. What can we do? I don't know. Let's, Smear them all as far-right extremists to turn people against them. Um, Smear them all as racist and sexist and people who do hate speech. Um, Just try to treat it like it's beyond the pale what they're doing, and they're the ones who are manipulating the market and causing chaos. When the fact of the matter is, all along, it was Wall Street and the hedge funds doing that. Okay. Let's take a break. When we come back, we have... um, Brian Stelter to Stelter this segment where he pretty clearly advocates for censorship. It's a pretty horrendous segment. Stay right there. We'll be back. everybody i'm back i was just eating a zero bar courtesy of mike from the humanist report he's the one who told me about these things pretty good definitely not something you're supposed to have for breakfast but whatever i do what i want (laughs) not a bad cartman impression if you ask me okay moving along um oh this this segment i'm going to go nuclear on cnn CNN's Brian Stelter did a segment where he pretty clearly advocates for censorship while pretending he's not advocating for censorship.
0: There is, up in the sky, information pollution, and the polluters are trying to deflect blame. Dishonest cries of censorship are filling Fox's airwaves which charges that these guys right here are being suppressed. The word censorship's been invoked almost 400 times on Fox this month alone and more than 300 times on Newsmax. You know, post-insurrection, a book publisher decided that it does not want to be in business with Senator Josh Hawley, so he's been on a national TV tour claiming he's muzzled. And Tucker Carlson is telling viewers that this network, CNN, is trying to force Fox News off the air which is patently false. It's as predictable as the sunrise. Democrats win elections and then Republicans say they are being silenced. But while some cry cancel culture, let me suggest a different way to think about this. A harm reduction model. Most people want clean air and blue skies and accurate news and rational views. And then in that healthy environment it looks beautiful, then we can have great fights about taxes and regulation and healthcare and all the rest. The vast majority of people can agree that disinformation about, let's say, the pandemic is unhealthy. It's harmful. So how can that harm be reduced? Well, big tech platforms say they are removing lies about vaccines and stamping out stop the steal BS and QAnon cult content. Now, do these private companies have too much power? Sure. And many people would say, yes, of course they do. But reducing a liar's reach is not the same as censoring freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is different than freedom of reach. And algorithmic reach is part of the problem. Now, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg seems to agree. Here's the headline from Politico. He's pledging to depoliticize Facebook. Zuckerberg says one of the top pieces of feedback that we're hearing from our community is that people don't want politics and fighting to take over their experience on our services. Well, he's he's several years too late, but, but that is a real issue. And he wants to now try to clean up Facebook. But this is bigger than Facebook. This harm happens all over the place. In the words of a recently fired Fox News editor, news consumers are both overfed and malnourished at the same time, gorging on empty informational calories, indulging their sugar fixes of self-affirming half-truths and even outright lies. It's impossible to make all those lies go away, but they can be reduced. All right? Harm reduction. But instead we get this over on Newsmatch. Look at this, Biden's plan to destroy America. It looks like some crazy comic book movie or something, or some action hero movie. That's what we get on Newsmax. Here's what we get on Fox. Tucker Carlson declaring that unity for Dems means locking up their opponents, and, quote, you can now be arrested for saying the wrong thing. What? And the government is at war with its own people. What? This apocalyptic stuff is day in, day out on these channels. It is part of a radicalization pipeline that pits neighbors against neighbors, and let's fear overpower courage. And it poisons American politics. To, to borrow the, the pollution metaphor again, the people who live closest to the factory, who ingest most of the pollution, they get the sickest. But everyone is affected by this toxic information world. So most of the criticism of Facebook is not aimed at stopping social media, stamping it out. It's about making the platform actually more social, helping friendships, not ruining them. And most of the criticism of Fox News is not aimed at shutting it down, which will never happen anyway. It's about making Fox better, putting the news back in Fox News. It could go another way. If Fox is going to keep transitioning into the 24-7 Tucker channel, then maybe it belongs next to sci-fi on your channel lineup, not MSNBC. These need to be nuanced conversations, not edicts, not orders. This is complicated, but harm reduction is possible. Harm reduction is possible by adding more news and less opinion to the content. Harm reduction is possible by pushing some of the QAnon craziness out of your news feed on Facebook. This is not ultimately about freedom of speech. It's about freedom of reach.
1: So what exactly are you advocating for? Give your concrete solutions. What do you actually want to do? I don't care at all about your, like, you know, fucking soliloquy and monologue on what you think is going on in the country. I have thoughts, people. I have thoughts. I don't care about your fucking thoughts. What do you want to do? What are your actual policy solutions? What would you do differently? What would you change? And the fact of the matter is, he wants to do censorship under another name. He wants to do censorship while weaselly pretending he's not in favor of censorship. But everything he advocates for there points in the direction of censorship. So let me give you some quotes. He wants a, quote, harm reduction model. Quote, disinformation is unhealthy and harmful. We all agree disinformation is unhealthy and harmful. The question is, what counts as disinformation, because there's disagreement on that among even the most intelligent people in the world, and what exactly do you do to, quote, reduce harm? And then he brings up, hey, listen, they banned some QAnon stuff and some Stop the Steal stuff, and he implies heavily that he supports that. Okay, but then you have to admit that it is about freedom of speech. It's not just about freedom of reach, whatever goofy nonsense that is. It is about freedom of speech, because if you support them banning QAnon stuff and banning Stop the Steal stuff, by definition, that is censorship. Now, you can argue, I think it's good. I think that the censorship is good, but you don't get to not call it censorship. It is censorship. He wants to have his cake and eat it, too, by pretending like he doesn't support censorship while advocating for what is effectively censorship. No. No, no, no. You have to be intellectually honest about what you're calling for. And if you're in favor of banning Stop the Steal stuff and you're in favor of banning QAnon stuff, you have to say it. You have to, you have to own that. You have to own that that is your position. But they can't own that position because they know once they own that position, they don't, there's no actual argument that would make sense because anything that applies to QAnon stuff and Stop the Steal stuff, you could easily say it applies to JFK stuff. Or 9/11 conspiracy stuff, or anything that's outside of the realm of conventional wisdom discourse, you could just say it's all conspiracy. So I hate that line. It's not about freedom of speech; it's about freedom of reach. Um, Apparently, the you know, according to case law in the U.S., that's not true at all. It is about freedom of speech. And like, the funny thing is, so I think underlying this conversation is the algorithms. And they feel like, oh, right-wing disinformation is being pumped out there by the algorithm, and that needs to change. Guys, the fact of the matter is, and I know this because of YouTube, you know who's, who's favored the most by the algorithm here? CNN. CNN, you go back not even that long ago. You go back five years ago. And CNN videos were beyond pathetic. They would post a video. It's we CNN. see the number one news network in the country, maybe even the world they'd post a video and get like 700 views. Not that long ago. Not that long ago. Then what happened? After a while, we had the adpocalypse controversy where like some Nestle ad or some shit ran on a a Nazi channel. And so there was an overreaction where all of news and politics was defunded overnight. Our revenue went down to $0.00. We were totally defunded overnight. And so what YouTube did is they overreacted and they came up with, this system where not only are they going to crack down on genuinely extremist content and make sure ads don't run there, they crack down on everybody. And then when they develop new rules, uh, they don't admit this part publicly, but I think there's like a tiered system because now even things that are considered borderline content are treated differently than favored status. And so if you're one of the, if you're one of the big corporate networks, you are the go-to. You're given favored status on YouTube for news and politics because they think like oh we need to make sure misinformation isn't spreading and we need to have fact checking so that's why we always divert to CNN MSNBC Fox News the nightly News like CBS ABC and, and those outlets so what happens is and you'll notice this if you're big on YouTube very often those are the things that are recommended these are the things that when it's on autoplay it goes back to that um, now if you happen to be a longtime viewer of secular talk, yes, you'll get recommended videos of secular talk and everything will appear from your perspective to be going smoothly and going fine. But the problem is they limit the new reach. So back in the day, if you in 2016, if you watched a political video, even if you were watching some, some main network, a secular talk video might get recommended to you next. And so new people would come across our content. The way it works now, if you're not already in the loop, it's very hard for our stuff to be recommended to you. So, you know, it stunts the growth of the channel massively, massively. And CNN gets force-fed to everybody. So funny enough, he's acting like the algorithm's the problem. This isn't about freedom of speech, it's about freedom of reach. The algorithm helps CNN more than anybody. Their content is not good, but now you look at it and instead of getting 700 views, it's getting a million views for a lot of videos. It's because it's force-fed to everybody across the country on YouTube, okay? Give me the same status you give them, and I'll, I'll lap them in a week and a half. That's a little bit, that's overstated. I'll lap them and give me six months, and I'll lap them and then some. So it, it's, it's kind of amazing that the, so the network that's already on the top of the hierarchy, where they get the most favored treatment, this whole segment is like, Give us even more favorite treatment, and everybody who I think is propaganda and bad, derank them, and and have the algorithm hurt them. Then he has the nerve to say, quote, we just want to make Fox News better. Maybe the issue is it belongs next to the sci-fi channel and not next to, like, other news networks. We just want to make Fox News better. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. They're direct competition to you. You want to snuff them out. Now, are they terrible? Absolutely but so are you. I mean, the idea that, oh, well, maybe they belong next to um, sci-fi and not other news networks. Oh, yeah? Where does Rachel Maddow belong with her endless hyperventilating over Russiagate, which turned out to be total bullshit? Where does she belong? Where does she belong? That was, a, that was an Alex Jones-level conspiracy that she pushed for years on her show. Funny, you don't have anything to say about that. You have nothing to say about that. You know, what about CNN also was big on Russiagating. What about when Jake Tapper did his fact check of Medicare for All, where he was dead wrong and he lied about it. And he was pretending like, no, actually, it doesn't save money. Of course it does save money. It saves $5 trillion over the course of a decade. He lied about it. He was wrong. The video got obliterated, like, 90% dislikes. So should Jake Tapper be pulled down? Should CNN's channel be pulled down? Should that video be pulled down? Should that be deranked in the algorithm? What about that? What about the $2,000 checks that Newsweek just had an article? where they were like, oh, Biden didn't lie about it. He said $2,000 checks in the first week. He said it immediately, and now we don't have $2,000 checks. It's been the first week. Where's the question? Of course it's a lie. No, but see, the lies that cut in the direction that they like, he doesn't count them as lies. So that's just flat-out dishonest. There's no other way to talk about it. That's what that is. That's dishonest. Because the fact of the matter is, if you are in favor of censorship... Well, then, by definition, you need to have a ministry of truth. You need to have a hierarchy. You need to have somebody who makes those decisions or a group that makes those decisions and makes those calls as to what's allowed and what's not allowed. You're never going to get people to be perfectly objective. Everybody has their own biases. Everybody has their own opinions. Everybody has their own perceptions. And, you know, one person's conspiracy theory is another person's truth-telling. Now, yes, there are more examples of Conspiracies where we all agree it's insane and extreme and it's not true, for sure. But it's a package deal. Any kind of system that bans stop the steal and QAnon stuff is probably also going to ban when you talk about the 2016 Democratic primary and the WikiLeaks that proved it was rigged against Bernie. But that would be considered beyond the pale and a conspiracy to the establishment. If these platforms existed in the lead up to the Iraq war, they wouldn't have banned everybody saying Saddam has weapons of mass destruction. They would have banned everybody who said he doesn't have weapons of mass destruction. And the people who said he doesn't were correct. So you see the problem here? The idea that we always get it right and we always get it right in the moment, it's utter nonsense. It's total bullshit. You can't have censorship. There is no such thing as like a little bit of censorship and, oh, we o- when we do it, we only get it right. It's not true at all. What happens is you are an authoritarian menace once you start censoring, once you start deplatforming. And the saddest thing is, listen, you're CNN. If you really felt like, oh, my God, Fox News is pushing all this terrible stuff. It's so beyond the pale. You're CNN. You could dedicate time to debunking everything they say. And if you presented it in a way that's interesting and factual, you may even be liked and get good views for it. But they're lazy. And so what do they want to do? They just want to, they want to put in the cheat code and say, well, just ban them or just derank them. Just get rid of them. Get rid of Newsmax, get rid of One American News Network or, you know, punish them. But again, they would never apply those same standards to themselves because CNN gets stuff wrong all the time. They do. They get stuff wrong all the time. And it's always the people who are the elites. It's always the establishment that gets to determine what's allowed and what's not allowed. And it's a package deal, you know, in the same way that, oh, you banned the Stop the Steal QAnon people. Well, guess what? The very next day, they go after Antifa, and Antifa's gone. We covered that story here. That's what Twitter did. Go get the QAnon people off. Okay, we did that. Next is Antifa. And it's a slippery slope. We're in the middle of that slippery slope. It's not even like, hey, at some point in the future. No, it's happening right now. And it's happening on all the outlets. Chapo Trap House banned from um, Reddit. You have Google delisting and de-ranking some of the people who do the best work on imperialism, for example, like Chris Hedges. Go talk to Ben Norton, Max Blumenthal, Ranya Kalik, Abby Martin, who've done superb work on a variety of issues, on U.S. imperialism, on Palestine. And that stuff is now really hard to find because it's buried on purpose, and they do it under the guise of, we're just protecting people from Russian disinformation. So any attempt to use authority to fix these problems only makes them worse and only makes some of the least qualified and most pathetic voices rise through the ranks. Sorry, I don't think Brian Stelter is that interesting or that insightful. But in a world that Brian Stelter creates, all the content he personally dislikes is deranked or banned. And, you know, the stuff he likes is force-fed to you. Brian, I don't agree with you. I don't think you're a poignant analyst. I I think you're pretty bad at this. And so I I have no interest in creating a system on the whims of Brian Stelter. So you can lie to yourself all you want and act like, "I'm I'm not in favor of censorship. I'm in favor of a harm reduction model and regulation. That's censorship it's censorship by another name, at least have the nerve and at least have the intellectual honesty to admit it indeed is censorship. And then your argument wouldn't, your argument at that point would be wrong, but honest instead of wrong and dishonest, which is what it is now. Okay. 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 I had to show everybody this. This made me laugh. This made me smile. So yesterday was my birthday. Um, I'm far too old. I'm 33. And Joseph Cicada on Twitter put together a little compilation of probably the most prominent times that I morphed into the infamous Big Seltzer sellout. talk has sold out, man. Big seltzer got me. It happened. They got me. Oh, by the way, what do we have here? Take a listen. What is that?
2: Is that a little seltzer water I see?
0: Sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. Yeah, you can see the sparkles in that shit. Mm-mm, bitch. You have no clue what's in this cup.
1: This could be beer. This could be wine. This could be hard liquor. This could be
0: high C. This could be water. This could be Stay with me. Seltzer. Shit, I just, I think, blew out my voice. Sounded dirty. Blow out your voice. <laughs> Hold. Okay, much better. No, this isn't a
1: uh, an advertisement for vintage seltzer. Get it at a store near you. What it do, what it do. All right. Yes. Yeah. on Seltzer anymore. I mean, it's very
0: simple.
1: Should Seltzer be legalized? Yes. So, you know, I'm not, uh, not trying to drop any hints here, but if there are any other Seltzer companies on Twitter, want to holler at your boy. think Seltzer, baby. Shout out to Joe for that. I really enjoyed that. I had no idea that it was that many times over the years where <laughs> we talked about it. Um, I think you may have saw some of the videos from the original Big Seltzer video in there. Now, I've told the story a number of times, but I'll tell it again for those of you who don't know. Uh, Where this all originated was, I was on air one time, and I started coughing, and uh, something was in my throat. I reached to grab the seltzer. You actually do see this exact clip in there. I reached to grab my drink next to me to clear my throat, and um, so I was drinking it, and then... I realized, like, this isn't an ad for Seltzer, but it might as well be because it works out like, you know, Seltzer's saving the day here. And so I said whatever I said, like, Vintage Seltzer, get it it at a store near you. And what happened was, I wish I could give this person credit, but I don't remember who it was. There was uh, somebody at the time who was a listener of the show, and this person isolated that clip and tweeted it at a Seltzer company or a bunch of Seltzer companies and said, like, hey you guys should hook this guy up. He just did like a, an impromptu, impromptu ad for you. And, you know, people listen to his show, they're loyal people, and they might even buy some seltzer as a result of this. So what happened was one of the companies responded and was like, uh, we love that idea. We're going to do exactly that. So they actually got in contact with me, and they sent me like this little gift basket, which is incredible. It had a shirt in it. Um, and it also had like, not only did it have seltzer, it had like the flavors that were just discontinued. So they had some extra like strawberry seltzer and pineapple flavored seltzer like laying around at the warehouse, and they sent it to me. Now all all in maybe it was like, what, what would I say it cost? Maybe 30 bucks, 35 bucks package. Maybe it depends how much you how much the shirt is. So maybe it's like a 40 or 50 dollar package, but they sent it to me. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Because I actually do love seltzer, and I drink it all the time. But uh, so the next day or the next week, I came out and did a segment, and I was basically like, it happened, guys. Your boy got corrupted. Um, The big seltzer industry has bought me, and they now own me. And um, I'm basically like the seltzer spokesperson. And so for whatever reason, that story really caught on. And obviously, it's a meme online now, and everybody (laughs) – I can't say anything without – people bringing up big seltzer uh in the same way that i can't say anything without people acting like i have no leg <laughs> there's a number of things that will forever be uh tied to secular talk in the kyle klinsky show and anyway i thought that was awesome because it shows you through the years like a bunch of the times that we brought up um seltzer and honestly moving forward of course there's, it's inescapable now so it will probably be brought up a thousand more times but shout out to joe for uh having all those moments, isolating all those moments, and putting it together in an awesome compilation. That was really cool of him. I really appreciate that. And um, despite being the big seltzer sellout, I can assure you, uh, I'm proud to say that even though I've been doing this since like 2012 or 2013, um, I've never once actually had a conversation with an advertiser. I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that. Um, I really do pride myself on that because it's so easy for – I've seen it happen – where uh, you know, there are YouTubers, I don't want to shout out any in particular, but I know there's like, uh, like I've heard of a bunch of these like makeup YouTubers, and basically everything they do is just try to push products that they have deals with. And I feel like that's, that's just disingenuous, because then you're not even going to give like an honest assessment of what you think is good and what you think is bad. I've seen this happen with some golf YouTubers. Everybody knows I love golf. Some of the golf YouTubers started out as like regular people, small time creators doing what they loved. And then eventually when they hit a certain point, they got big enough to make deals and have advertisement deals. And so now they like hawk these products that we don't even know if they think those are the best products. It's just the ones that they have a deal with. And so it's like, it just sort of taints the whole thing and it feels too corporate and it feels too sell outy. You know what I mean? So I'm very proud of myself for having never had a conversation with an advertiser, um, and uh, I'm going I'm to stay true to that. I'm going to stay true to that moving forward. I'm still the big seltzer sellout, though, because I genuinely like seltzer. <laughs> so um, I will forever be the big seltzer sellout, but that's the only kind of sellout I am. And uh, if you want to give me a nice little birthday present, you can support the show in uh, one of two ways, or actually three ways. One of them is the next time we do a, um, a secular talking smack, you can ask a super chat question. And I do my best to get to all of them, although sometimes it's overwhelming and I literally don't have the time to get to every single one of them. But that's one way to support the show through the Super Chat questions when we do the Secular Talking Smack. We're going to start doing them more often now, by the way. I'm going to do them as much as I possibly can, so maybe like once every two weeks or something like that. Um, The other way is support the show through Patreon. You just give a dollar or two uh, per month as like a recurring tip, basically. So if you want to tip a dollar or two per month, Patreon link is in the video description box. I know I don't push these things often, but, you know, figure it's my birthday, so I might as well. Do a little bit of shameless self-promotion here especially since i hate advertisers um so you can give a dollar or two through patreon per month links in the video description box or of course the new thing which is super exciting is that um there's now crystal kyle and friends now the audio will always be free to everybody and you can listen to that on any podcast platform that you want or you can listen to it on substack you can sign up for the newsletter for free um but the other thing is if you want the video and you want it immediately when it comes out which is a day early um, you can tip $5 per month on Substack, and that's another way uh, to help me out and help the show out. And also, in this instance, you get the awesome benefit of seeing the Crystal Kyle and Friends video a day early. So anyway, that's the way uh, to support if you want to help a brother out for, uh, for his birthday. But yet again, I want to give a big thank you to Joe Sakata because that was such an awesome video, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching it probably like 12 times. That's how many times I watched that. Okay, next. Now let's talk about the minimum wage. Minimum wage, minimum wage. Fox News is trashing a minimum wage increase since Democrats recently proposed it. Watch this.
0: Here's the other argument that maybe things have changed a bit, and that is during the 2020 election down in Florida, Florida passed it by 60%. They have gone ahead and okayed the minimum wage at 15 bucks an hour, and a majority of the people who voted for it also voted for Donald Trump. Right. That is great. That states making decisions that work for them, and if they don't like that decision, they get voted out. People go to the ballot box and do it. But I don't think that necessarily flies for Indiana. I don't think you can say what's going to happen for Oklahoma. That's not the way it was supposed to be. But think about and The other thing is, at 7.25 an hour, that's an entry-level wage. What you do is you work your way up on that wage, and then if you, in the meantime, you do what almost everybody else has done in the past, you get another job to supplement as you work your way through. Even if the means Going to school at night, you find right. a way. You don't ruin a business in order to, uh, in order to, I guess, get votes from people. It's been a long right. time since there's been an increase. They yeah. do have to increase it. My, my concern is though, four years is not a long time to go to double it in four years if you own a but restaurant. Wages were going up, Angeli, uh, with the economy as the economy grows. The wages were going up naturally, organically. You didn't need Bernie Sanders telling you what you should make, which is a scary proclamation. When the socialist is leading the charge. Listen, I've got uh, two members of my immediate family who are adults, and who are heads of households are minimum wage employees, and they could use a raise during the pandemic. So ultimately, though, it comes to, it's a math problem. You give them, you give the employee more money, then the business has to hire fewer people. Mm-hmm. you want to hire more people, it's just, it's just a math thing.
1: It's just a math thing. It's just math. Um, so you're not going to be surprised to learn that that's not exactly true, what he's saying here. The minimum wage in Australia is roughly equal to $15 an hour. And the unemployment rate in Australia and the United States is almost exactly the same. So if a $15 minimum wage would lead to just like rampant unemployment, and it's just a math problem, um, then why is that not the case that Australia has like way higher unemployment than us? Now, listen, it is true that if you go way too high with it, it definitely can lead to unemployment because what will happen is um, you will have a lot of small businesses who have a number of employees who can't afford to pay for, say, three or four employees. They might limit it to now two employees. They might fire somebody and try to get all the same work done with two employees because they can't afford to pay all that much. But in all seriousness, $15, I don't think that's the number where it would lead to rampant unemployment. It's possible there's a slight tick-up in unemployment, a tiny tick-up in unemployment, but really, I mean, the trade-off being that um, people who work a full-time job will make enough money to survive, the trade-off being that now we don't have starvation wages, the trade-off being that now people can live, that's a fair trade-off. And if there is a tiny tick-up in unemployment, which again, we don't know if that'll happen, because in Australia it didn't happen, um, well then, we have other ways to ameliorate that problem. And... You know, we have programs that can help people out. We could try to address this through a a wage subsidy policy, which is, you know, another way to sort of make up for that on the back end. So there are ways to address that. But bottom line is the problem is overstated. Like, yes, if you raise the minimum wage to $50 an hour, you probably will have a pretty significant increase in unemployment. But if you raise it to $15 an hour, people will make a living wage. They'll be able to survive. It'll lift people out of poverty. And there might not even be an uptick in unemployment. Because again, Australia is a great example. Same unemployment as us, us, and they have a minimum wage that's about $15 an hour. Um, And then you have other, you know, you have some Scandinavian countries where basically the whole workforce is unionized, and they don't even have a minimum wage because nobody makes anywhere near a minimum wage. You know, the wages that the unions negotiate is way higher than what would be considered a minimum wage, and they don't have like colossal unemployment problems there either. So it's overstated this argument like, oh, the economy will collapse if you give poor people a little bit more money. Nonsense. So just to give you some more information on this, um, if the minimum wage had kept pace with inflation since 1968, it would be about $12 an hour today. So do you understand what that means? The minimum wage, in, if we just took the minimum wage from 1968 and adjusted it for inflation, I'm just repeating myself as if I'm explaining it in a new way. I'm not explaining it in a new way. I'm just repeating myself. But if you just took the minimum wage from 1968 and um, kept up with the pace of inflation, it would already be $12 an hour today. So we effectively had what is equal to a $12-an-hour minimum wage in 1968. Okay, that's one amazing point. The other one is if the minimum wage kept up with worker productivity, so how hard the workers are working and how much economic output there is, it would be over $20 today. Wow, that's something. That really is something. Um, Some of the other things they said is, uh, well, Really, this is the minimum wage is supposed just supposed to be an entry level wage. That's not exactly true. There are plenty of people who that's their main job. That's where they are. Um, so it's not just like for kids working summer jobs or whatever. And then they casually say like just go work two jobs. They also say wages were going up naturally, and you didn't need Bernie Sanders to like set the wages. First of all, that would be a great world if Bernie, if a great country if Bernie Sanders was setting the wages. But second of all, that is not true at all. There's been this giant decoupling of Productivity versus wages, and how much the one percent is making versus how much your average worker is making. At around the 1980 mark, wages just sort of flatlined and are not even keeping up with inflation. So that's not true. That oh, it was fine. It was going up naturally. Nonsense. Um, so if you were to raise the if you were to implement this democratic proposal of $15 minimum wage, phase in period until 2025. Here are the facts. There would be a total of 33.5 million workers who would benefit, 33.5 million, um, 30.1 million adults ages age 20 or over, 19.6 million full-time workers, 19.5 million women, 9.4 million parents, and 4.6 million single parents, and 6.2 million workers in poverty. So the numbers are astounding as to how much this will help um, regular people. And the other thing is you will likely see a giant reduction um, in people relying on the social safety net. Because what happens now is these workers who are making starvation wages need the government to make up the difference they can afford to live. And um, if you put more of that onus on the corporations and make them pay the living wage... Then they don't indeed, or even in many cases, qualify for those government programs anymore. And so there will be a reduction in um, the social safety net, which is something that nominally conservatives should like. They say they like that, they say they want to shrink government. This would definitely shrink government. So, anyway, um, the Fox News, of course, not giving the best information here on the minimum wage. Color me not surprised. Now let's talk about Representative Adam Kinzinger, who's now aligning himself more and more with the Democrats. Representative Adam Kinzinger um, is aligning himself more and more with Democrats. He's a Republican congressman, but he's a real big opponent of Trumpism. So he's got this new thing that he's rolling out here. Take a look.
0: You know, when we originally booked you, you weren't going to be alone uh, in this segment. You were going to be joined by a, a couple of other folks who also voted to impeach on the Republican side of the aisle. Uh, explain how hard this is uh, to do, to be as public-facing as you are. You, you've been taking arrows a little bit longer than the rest, so I think you're, you've got a thicker, thicker armor these days. But explain this difficulty uh, that some of your colleagues are in. Look, it's really difficult. I mean everybody that
1: supported you or so it seems that way, your friends, your family, uh, has turned against you. They think you're selling out. I mean, I've gotten a letter, a certified letter, twice from the same
0: people disowning me and claiming I'm possessed by the devil. Uh, but the reality is this. This is a time to choose. It's a time to choose what we're going to be in. And, and my goal in launching countryfirst.com with the number one is just to say, look, Let's take a look at the last four years, how, how far we have come in a bad way, how backwards-looking we are, how how much we peddle darkness and division. And that's not the party I ever signed up for, and I think most Republicans didn't sign up for that. So you know what? Quite Yes, it's a tough position to be in, but
1: it's really invigorating to remember what you're standing for and to talk about putting the country over parties. So what party did you sign up for? That's my question. I don't know how old this guy was when he signed up for the Republican Party, but... My guess is when he signed up for it, it was either the Ronald Reagan party, George H.W. Bush party, or George W. Bush party. So which party was it? I, you know, I really, really, really recoil at this line of argument. This idea of, like, the Republican Party lost its way under Trump. And before that, they were very honorable and noble. But they weren't. They weren't. That's fantasy land. That's nonsense. So uh, Newsweek headline said... Uh, Adam Kinzinger is arguing, "Let's take back our party." He's launching a pack to challenge the Trump wing of the GOP, and he's calling it the Country First Pack. So I watched his his uh, his launch video, um, and first of all, there, there was music in the background that was way too loud, obnoxious, and annoying. But second of all, he managed to talk for like five minutes and say nothing at all. The whole thing was like, as a Republican. I wholly believe that the trueness of our values demonstrates the oneness of our being in the United States of America, and we need to make sure we put principles first and foremost and advocate for those among us who are all Americans in the eyes of... And it's just... It's just like, let me talk for an extended amount of time and just try to do that Reagan trick where it's like, you just suck off America and blow smoke up its ass and act like, America's great. I think it's great. Do you think it's great? Because I think it's great. You're not saying anything. It's the, it's the Republican version of the Tom Perez, I'm for good things and against bad things, and I hope you are too. We need to lead with our values and our virtues. And um, I hate that shit because, I just, like, just tell me what you're actually for. Like, what are the things you're actually for? And my guess is when he goes down the list of policies, it's going to be exactly like Trump. Just the problem is with Trump, he did it in an unfiltered way. He did it while being a dick on Twitter. So these guys don't like that he's a dick. These guys don't like that he has no civility and decorum. These guys don't like he puts a mean face on the mean policies. So They want to put the smiley face on the mean policies. They want to do Wall Street deregulation with a smile. That's what they want to do. They want to cut taxes for the wealthy um, politely. That's what they want to do. So I just find it so silly. When, when was the Republican Party some sort of principled party? Under George W. Bush, it was the party of torture and the party of illegal and offensive wars, and then every subsequent president followed in those footsteps. So there's no, there was no time where it's like before it was totally fine. Now, pfft, now we have problems. And by the way, the other hilarious part of this is this guy's going to get crushed. This pack's not going to have it. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to run some candidates and get obliterated? Because the Trump wing of the party still makes up the most politically active wing of the party. Now, you could argue it's 50-50, like there's 50% that are not part of the Trump wing, okay, but they're not as motivated and they're not as active as the 50% that is the Trump base. So they're in a no-win situation because Trumpism was a fraud. It was fake populism. Now it's just culture war grievance bullshit. But then the old school Republican classic ideology is just elitism by another name. You know, it's just smug elitism by another name where they're for the same policies, but they're more polite. So there's a no-win situation here on the Republican side. But it will be funny to watch this guy Kinzinger realize that, like, oh, shit, there is no place for me in the Republican Party. In fact, this this guy's perfect for the corporate Democrats because corporate Democrats and the corporate Republicans in many ways are very similar. And uh, so what what you're going to see here is, and I love this clip because it proves it, Chuck Todd is acting like, sir, you're so brave for what you're doing. Really? Brave? He's going to get, you know, in every mainstream media outlet except Fox News, they're going to give him a smooth hand job and act like, you're so amazing to stand up for Trump with your negative six fans. And it's like, no, this is a ticket directly into the club, directly into the elite establishment power centers, the cultural power centers. So just like the Lincoln Project guys who, you know, wine moms all across the country, the resistance types, blew them up. And now, by the way, one of the guys who was like a co-founder of it, it was a crazy sexual predator 21 victims. One of them was 14 years old. We just learned this the other day. Um, but like, yeah, these are the people who they welcome with open arms. They, the media loves nothing more than an anti-Trump Republican because it, it gives them the exact narrative that they want, which is the establishment of both parties are good, noble folks, and Trump is the bad guy, and he's the only problem here. And it's just a bogus narrative. The reality is Trump's a piece of shit. And the establishment of both parties are gigantic pieces of shit, albeit in different ways. Okay, next. This is beautiful. I really love this. Killer Mike tweeted a Nina Turner ad, and there's going to be a little somebody you recognize in this ad.
0: Any Democrat won't do. Nina Turner is running for Congress. Does being practical mean that we don't say to the American people that you deserve better than what you are getting? No answer to the feeling class, but the answer to the
2: people. I know, so I know about we need rulers of the team. That's for all that man,
0: Too many people suffering. Too many too Everyday Americans are being left behind. Medicare for all. Fight for 15. Green New Deal. We standing up. We're going to start calling out people for who they are. Hello, society. One of the most strong, fierce, dynamic black women I've ever met in my life.
2: When it's time to bail out Main Street, people want to ask how you're going to pay for it. But when it's time to bail out Wall Street, they don't say a mumbling word. Hello, somebody.
0: Whoa. <laughs> Oh, that was so good. We need to be on these folks like white on rice and black on coal, baby. And if you
2: come for Nina Turner, your ish better be
0: airtight like Tupperware. This is no time to shrink. Well, I am backing the American people. That's who I'm backing. We're not going for the okie-dokie no more. People in Ohio, they want to know about jobs. They want to know about their children. The world. It would be a lot of fun to have me in there. We're gonna have to shake things up. Progressives are the future. If you can't even survive, you'll never get the bride. SCP <laughs> <laughs> <And> is <laughs> what we call it. We are being tested right now. Or
2: whether we're not we need to do what is necessary.
0: Oh, uh, she was on fire. <laughs>
2: Hallelujah, come on.
0: was
1: such a great ad. Um, I don't know if that's like an official Nina Turner campaign created ad. I don't know if Killer Mike or some of his um, staff or something made it. I don't know if some random other person made it and Killer Mike just tweeted it. I don't know the specifics of it. I don't know the details of it. But I love the ad. I think it's amazing. Crystal Ball's in the ad. I'm in the ad a number of times. The video that they use of Nina is, of course, out of this world, amazing. And uh, it's exciting, man. It's exciting. The idea that we have at least something the left can hold on to, which is a unifying force, because yes, the left, at least online, we've been at each other's throats ever since Bernie, uh, Bernie's campaign imploded. Ever since that happened, we've been really going at each other, um, and totally unproductive, um, really gets in the way of progress, I think, even though there's some fighting over legitimate issues. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the unifying force of Nina's campaign is, uh, is like medicine, and we all hope she wins, because at least the sense I get from her um, is that she definitely, definitely has more of that leadership quality, which I think is lacking among the left in elected circles these days, where it's one thing if you agree with the left on the policy issues, and there are plenty of politicians in D.C. who actually do, in good faith, sincerely agree with us on the policy issues. The issue is, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to try to win on these fronts? And unfortunately, the strategy that I think everybody defaults to once they get in D.C. is acquiescence, falling in line, trying to get your little wins where you can. I scratch your back, you scratch mine, tit for tat with leadership, thinking that's the best way forward, when really the best path for the left has always been and will always be using the bully pulpit getting the people more involved, and taking on your own, the leadership of your own party, just like the Tea Party took on the leadership of the Republicans back when it was their day. So that's the approach that I think works and has the best chance of working. And Nina Turner is the closest to that philosophy of anybody I've seen yet, even more so than Bernie. Bernie was, God bless him, always right on the policies, willing to stick out like a sore thumb for a long time, didn't have many friends in Washington, still doesn't, Um, but... He, he, always, he always had that thing, too, where, you know, Joe Biden is my friend, and he w- does ultimately oftentimes play the role of the loyal, loyal party man, and what, we don't need that right now. We need somebody who's going to take a flamethrower to everything in sight and fight tooth and nail for progress, and that's what Nina Turner brings to the table in a way that I haven't seen anybody else bring it yet, so I'm very excited uh, what I'll do is I'll leave a link in the video description box if you want to donate to her campaign. Um, I don't want to jinx it, but right now she's the front runner for this congressional seat. So support her any way you can. If you want to donate to her campaign, you want to, you know, join the campaign in one way or another, again, link in the video description box. Um, let's get her in there, man, because it can in many ways be a game changer. Okay. Next, next, next. Here we go. Here we go. Final story of the day. Jesse Ventura was considering running for president in 2020. Now, obviously, he decided against it. Um, My understanding was it was kind of up in the air what path he would go, because it was possible he'd run as an independent. I think when he became governor, he won as an independent. So he might run as an independent. He was considering running um, on the Green Party ticket. So he was heavily considering it and uh, ultimately decided against. I'm sure there was a variety of reasons that went into his decision. But... um, He would have been quite the option. He would have been quite the option because here's a video. This popped up on my Twitter feed I wanted to share with everybody. He's got a show on RT, and this is a a legendary Jesse Ventura rant that you're going to have the pleasure of seeing.
2: Let me make this statement. There shouldn't be one billionaire. There should not be one person worth a billion dollars. And I know that's shocking hearing it come from me, but the older I get, the more flaws I see in capitalism and the more good things sometimes I see in more socialism. And let me explain on this. What can one do to earn a billion dollars? I had at one time what I considered the toughest job I've ever did in my life. I was right out of high school. I I had a job with the Minnesota State Highway Department bridge crew, and my job was running the 90-pound jackhammer you know, all day long in the street, that is the hardest job on the planet. You find me one that's physically or mentally tougher, and I was barely making above minimum wage. And you're telling me that these billionaires who are now doubling their money, doubling their wealth, that they work harder physically than someone spending eight to ten hours a day on a jackhammer? Bullcrap is what I got to say to that. They earn their money by pushing pencils, and, they, I, you know, they don't even need to use deodorant because none of them ever sweat, I doubt it, at work. There should not be a billionaire, and I'm going on record to state this. Everybody talks about a minimum wage, a minimum wage, a minimum wage. I say it's time for a maximum wage. How about $12 million a year, a million a month? If you can't live... On $12 million a year, $1 million a month, maybe we should bring back capital punishment, what we already have, haven't they?
1: God damn. (laughs) That is what I like to call populist rage. That's what we just saw right there. Jesse Ventura is a fascinating person. He really is in so many ways. Um, I mean, of course, there are aspects... Uh, of his ideology that I disagree with, but um, it's fun to watch. He's already on the left. It's fun to see an even bigger turn to the left. I find that exciting. Um, So let's go through some of what he says here. He says there shouldn't be one billionaire. So, you know, basically we can and should tax everything over a net worth of a billion dollars. I mean... I think, I think that's a debatable idea, but I certainly don't think it's crazy. And if anybody tries to, to act like, that's insane, is it really? Is it really? Because that gets to his next point, which is, how does one actually earn a billion dollars? It sort of rips the mask off of this idea that we have a meritocracy. Of course we don't have a meritocracy. It's not even close to a meritocracy. I think on some level, people understand and respect the notion of a meritocracy which basically means the harder you work the further you go everybody thinks there's something that's sort of inherently fair about that but the real light bulb moment for a lot of people that makes them become leftists is when you realize that not only do we not have a meritocracy we're not even close to living in a meritocracy and it's not the case that the harder you work the further you go um oftentimes and he makes this point beautifully some of the hardest working people get paid next to nothing. I've told the story before on air, but for me, anecdotally, I saw there was somebody who um, I went to high school with, and uh, you know, he, he dropped out and he was working all these odd jobs. He was the hardest working guy I'd ever seen. He was working two or three jobs all the time, all the time, and he still could barely make the rent. And it was just such a clear example of, like, here's this guy with this work ethic, second to none, really put, putting his everything into these jobs he's doing, and he's barely getting by. And, you know, we, I've seen the opposite a zillion times, too. Somebody who gets, has this high-paid, cushy job, and they sit around all day in an office and twiddle their thumbs. Like, we all know that that's the case. So it's weird that anybody ever pretends that, like, no, 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 the system's fair and and we live in a meritocracy. I actually think the goal of intelligent social democratic policy is to make it more of a meritocracy after all the basic needs are met. So, like, yes, if you take care of people's health care and their education and you give them paid vacation time and you give them uh, some form of Social Security, fair wages, after you set... The, the floor fairly, then it's like, I'm cool with the harder you work, the further you go. And if you don't make it, I say, hey, we gave you a fair shot. You know, you had everything you needed to give it a fair shot. Um, and that's what I think social democracy offers. I think it gets us closer to what's an actual meritocracy. But what we have now, this hyper-capitalism or, or rank corporatism, corrupt corporatism, um, It's, it's honestly, in many ways, it's the anti-meritocracy. The hardest working people do barely get by if they get by at all. And some of the laziest, most entitled people uh, are at the top of the system. I mean, how much money, some insanely high percentage of wealth is inherited. So, you know, mommy or daddy could be massively wealthy and they just hand you hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases. And it's like, you didn't do anything. You did nothing. You did nothing to earn any of that. So, like, it's an anti-meritocracy. You could work really hard and have nothing, or you could be born into wealth and be at the top. Or you could, like Donald Trump, fail up his entire life, inherited a shitload of money, went bankrupt a number of times, but failed up and was given this endless line of credit from financial institutions. So, in many ways, it really is the anti-meritocracy, which shows you the system's a mess. And so, I like uh, Jesse Ventura's idea there there at the end was fascinating. He said... uh, We're always talking about a minimum wage. What about a maximum wage? $12 million a year, which is a million dollars a month. It's funny because I never thought of it like that, but it's true. $12 million a year really is a million dollars a month. (laughs) That's a lot of money per month, isn't it? And he's like, if you can't live off that, maybe we should bring the guillotine back, son. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Jesse Ventura is, uh, is, is hitting some uncharted territory here. You know, you got pe- people hardcore lefties online are watching this. Like, that's my man right now. <laughs> oh, Jesse, what a fascinating character! What if fa- he's he's gonna lead the revolution, man? He's gonna lead the uh, the socialist revolution. I, he literally says there: the older I get, the more flaws I see in capitalism, and the more good I see in socialism. Jesse Ventura is getting bread pilled, dog. This is this is quite a video. Okay all right, guys, we are done, baby. I love y'all. Hopefully I've survived this snowstorm. And if I do, I'll talk to you soon. Everybody have a good one. And thank you for all the birthday wishes. You guys are amazing.